Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and I want to welcome any first-time listeners out there. I'm really happy you decided to tune in. So whether you're a seasoned tango dancer or a novice who just started, you've come to the right place. Now, I know we pick up a lot from taking classes, workshops, and private lessons, but there's another valuable learning resource that's often overlooked, and that's the personal anecdotes and insights of the very teachers who guide us. And the purpose of the interviews on this podcast is to help fill that gap and to provide you some more learning tools as you progress on your own tango adventure. As you know, I love getting feedback from listeners, so if you ever want to get in touch, feel free to email me at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. My guest today is Christy Cotti, a highly respected teacher in the U.S. and Argentina. In addition to teaching, she's also a well-known performer and choreographer. Christy has been featured at CETA, the annual International Tango Congress in Buenos Aires, and in 2012, she was the first ever American judge for the official USA-Argentine Tango Championships. Christy has a huge list of accomplishments, including international performance tours, appearances in various magazine articles and television programs, and since 2007, her popular tango boot camps have attracted literally thousands of students. There's a lot more to her resume, but I don't have time to list everything here because we need to get to the interview. And with me now is Christy Cote. Christy, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me, Joe. This is fantastic. I'm really looking forward to the interview. Yeah, yeah likewise. Okay, so just to jump right into things, Christy, can you describe the moment, or moments, could have been more than one, when you knew you wanted tango to be a big part of your life? Oh, well, interesting enough, there were a couple of moments when Argentine tango crossed my path, but mm. I remember thinking when a friend introduced me and another time when a teacher came into our ballroom, mm -hmm. when I was a ballroom teacher and introduced the dance, and I remember thinking, that's a weird dance, those gonchos and all those <laughs> weird leg things, mm -hmm. and I di really did not like it, but the time when it really hit me was when I saw the show Forever Tango in 1995. Oh. And for some reason, in that moment of time, when I saw that show, it just struck me. I was, oh my God, that's beautiful. I really want to do that. And really, my life was never the same again after that. <laughs> oh, wow. So seeing yeah. that show did it. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just, you know, as, as much as it was the show, maybe just it's time and place. It's like mm -hmm. you're just ready for tango at a moment in your life. Yeah. So what were your first few lessons like? Well, I, I, the ballroom I was working in, there was a fellow who had been to Argentina and mm. was teaching some tango. So that was my first introduction. And I went with a friend who was mm. also a ballroom teacher. <laughs> and we thought that we would learn it in one weekend and do both roles, leader and follower, because that's how wow. we had always learned dance throughout our life. Mm -hmm. And after the first 15 minutes of that class, <laughs> we immediately <laughs> decided that wasn't going to work. <laughs> So that was my first in introduction, but I coincidentally kind of went off to Argentina. It's a long story, but mm -hmm. I just came to be that I went to Argentina like very, very, very early on. More even so because I'd always wanted to go to Argentina, and I thought, well, okay, and then I'll study a little tango. Mm -hmm. But some of my first experiences ended up to be in Argentina when wow. I was a raw beginner. So okay. that was it. Nice. What was your very first dance at a milonga like? Well, I remember the first person that cabaseoed me mm. in a milonga. <laughs> <laughs> 
I remember sitting next to one of my uh, classmates, mm -hmm. and when I saw this man really staring me down, I became very shy, and I turned my head to my friend, and I said, oh, my God, I think he's asking me to dance. <laughs> and the fellow said, yes, yes, that's the cabaseo. Get up and dance. And I was really scared. <laughs> wow. I guess it happens to a lot of people that yeah. way. Yeah. So did that dance go pretty well? Do you remember? Yeah, it, it went. I don't quite remember the dance. I remember the cabaseo more mm. than it, <laughs> anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, fortunately for me, I began dancing tango very early in the, you mm -hmm. know, in the United States, 1995. Not right. so many people were dancing tango, so mm -hmm. the expectation level was very low. <laughs> if okay. a tango dance with somebody else who actually knew how to do the dance, that was that mm. was already fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of our listeners, they're they're tango novices. They're they're just starting to get addicted to tango, but they've sort of progressed beyond the first few beginner classes and they're thinking about coming out to their first few malangas. So Christy, uh -huh. in your opinion, what's some good advice for some of those novices on uh, successfully navigating their, their malangas smoothly? That's a great question. Uh, aside from, I think there should be a support group for, for leaders who <laughs> begin to dance tango <laughs> that we all get together with more experienced leaders and uh, mm -hmm. share stories and build their confidence. But barring that actually happening, I think the first advice that I give all my students is to go to your first belongings as a group. Mm. Either, you know, oftentimes teachers like I do get together with my students and organize something or at least find a couple other friends from the class and mm -hmm. go as a group. And then you can start by dancing with one another mm -hmm. and sl slowly show the rest of the people in the Milonga that you actually know how to dance and your level, whether it, you know, whatever level it is. And people will begin to ask you to dance um, based on that information. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in a, another piece of advice mm -hmm. that I truly believe in is the use of the cabaseo. And I'm mm -hmm. sure all, the, all of your listeners have read or been told about the use of the cabaseo and some people an initial reaction is that it's like a little um, conservative or mm -hmm. an old-fashioned thing or something but I think if you ask all the really experienced tango dancers in the world pretty much everybody agrees that it's a really good idea it works yeah. really well has worked well for over a hundred years in mm -hmm. the world of tango and continues to be a really great way for everybody ultimately to get on the floor with a partner when they want to be there and feeling really comfortable and there's never any awkwardness of de declining a dance or being on a dance floor and sort of suffering through a dance because you really don't want to be there. Right. Maybe well, for various reasons, maybe your feet are just hurting you or mm -hmm. not yeah. only useful but it's fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of the great things about the Cava Seo is that if you're in a country dancing tango and you don't know the language, it's yeah. every, everyone understands that code. It's totally yeah, universal. Absolutely universal language that's yeah. for sure yeah so christy i wanted to switch gears a little bit to your own learning so what's some really good or memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own teachers mm -hmm. well uh, early on i when i went to see Gra graciela gonzalez in buenos aires mm -hmm. and i was trying to learn both parts because as a ballroom dance teacher it just seemed like the way to go mm -hmm. but from a follower's perspective, I believe personally that it's better to learn the follower's role first. And then if you're interested in leading, mm -hmm. to go ahead and learn the leader's role. But followers really, there's a, there's a lot going on there in the follower's part, even though the perception is that the leader's part is more difficult, which mm -hmm. is another subject altogether. <laughs> but from the, my advice would be all the moves of the follower, which is really actually a very short list, 
-hmm. when you think of the six basic elements being like forward ochos, back ochos, molinetes, walking, crossing, and vallejo, mm -hmm. as I see it, and then the next level of those more intimate, in, intimate uh, movements that are like barritas and cicadas mm -hmm. and ganchos and ganches, this sort of thing that go on top of that layer. Uh -huh. So focusing on the followers part is what I would advise and what I was told by Graciela Gonzalez in the early years, but I'm not sure I followed her advice right away, but in hindsight, it was really smart. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, so you have a background in ballroom. So uh, again, a lot of people listening are, are tango dancers who have come from ballroom. So what advice do you have for I suppose, seasoned or experienced ballroom dancers who are making that transition to Argentine tango. Yes, well, it's, first of all, really great when people come with that ballroom dance knowledge, even mm -hmm. though a lot of people in the tango world will say, oh, my goodness, ballroom dancers coming to dance tango is a disaster, <laughs> you know. It's the, we get, that is that reputation that exists. Right. But the truth is that those skills will really carry over to the tango world when one really allows themselves to sort of be molded into a tango dancer, if you will, yeah. the embrace, the posture, all those things do, do have to change. But as I always say, even in the ballroom world, people dance a foxtrot and then they turn around and they dance a cha-cha, which is a completely different technique. Mm -hmm. And people are not confused at all when they switch from one dance to the other, mm -hmm. having studied those dances. So yeah. I do believe that a really... Uh, a good ballroom dancer can also become a really great Argentine tango dancer and can do both side by side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you love so to dance, I, you love to dance, so do it all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Now I'm not sure if I'm, I'm following the, the question, that's the fun. line of questioning there, but <laughs> that's <laughs> the first thought that came to my mind about ballroom dancers mm -hmm. coming into the tango world. No, that's fine, that's perfect. So Christy, how did you start teaching? Can you describe that journey? I was kind of thrown into the fire pit, really. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, what happened early on is there was a fellow named Pampa Cortez who was dancing with Forever Tango in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And when it came time to renew his contract with the company, he realized that he just wanted to stay in San Francisco because he liked it so much. So he mm -hmm. took a risk and decided to stay there. And the next thing he needed was a dance partner. So even though I was very inexperienced and about two inches taller than him, <laughs> He chose me because there was kind of slim pickings in those days. So but it turned out to be a great experience for me, teaching with him, learning from him, and also doing a lot of performance work for him. So the groundwork for me was dancing professionally with somebody who was at a very high level from Argentina, having worked, traveled the world with Forever Tango. So it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's, like you say, yeah. getting thrown right into the fire. That's a great way to start. Yes. And, you know, I guess at first I was just basically, a, you know, being his partner in the class and, and adding what I could about the follower's role without, mm. at that point, really understanding how to lead the dance. But through the teaching, well, as they say, the best way to learn something is by teaching it. And mm. I think that's what happened. I started to understand the leader's role at the same time so that eventually I could do, I could teach both parts. Ah. So when you finally did start to lead, what was that like for you? You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting experience, and that's, it goes, it's a testimony to why leaders should learn the followers part. And mm -hmm. as I said earlier, I don't believe that so much for the followers role, but in terms of the leader's role, the ideal situation, and mm -hmm. you, you've heard this before, but learn the followers role and then learn the leader's role. It's the best mm -hmm. way to learn tango, but it's not always easy to convince somebody right. that that's the route to go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they first come into the dance. But you know, what happened for me is I, I did know the follower's role. So when I began to study the leader's role, it was so much easier than having, I can't even imagine what it would be like to just start as a leader 
what you're asking the follower to do, which is almost impossible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. crazy, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so what are what are some good ways for advanced students to help beginner students in their communities? Because our teachers aren't always around, so sometimes yeah. we, gotta, we have to rely on each other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, in my classes in San Francisco, I invite a handful of my more advanced students mm -hmm. to come to the beginner classes for free and assist those classes. And they really enjoy it, and they wear a special name tag that designates them as assistants to the class. Nice. And the students get so much out of that. So even if your teacher doesn't do that, you could possibly volunteer or suggest that. Mm -hmm. they pleasantly surprised that you're willing to come in and, and help the beginner students. Mm -hmm. And then in the practicas, of course, it's you know a more casual environment with the practica. You can mm -hmm. always sort of make it your mission to look around the room and dance with all the new dancers and make them feel comfortable. And even to that extent, you could do that at a milonga, which is you know a little bit more formal and maybe you consider it more your time to dance with your favorite partners and everything but mm -hmm. if everybody says to themselves you know every milonga I go to I'm gonna dance with two new people or two people that look like they're new to the milonga and welcome them and make them feel comfortable it kinda helps the community overall I believe yeah yeah that's good so you have that goal of, of dancing making a point to dance with some new people that's that's great so, Chrissy, we've talked about your experiences as, as a teacher. What, what have you learned from your own students through, over the years? Oh, gosh, I don't think a day goes by when I don't learn something from my <laughs> students. Mm -hmm. I can't think of a good example offhand, but really sometimes people surprise me, you know, because tango is so, so much like that, that it, it, a particular move, like um, even a, even a certain technique and everything, but, you know, every once in a while a, a leader might come to me and, and dance it a different way mm -hmm. that seems great and I think oh well that was interesting you know it's like that's different so then I kind of absorb how they do it and analyze how that's different from how I do it and maybe perhaps incorporate it into my own style of teaching but mm -hmm. that's the beauty of tango it keeps evolving there's so many possibilities and after teaching for 22 years now mm -hmm. There's not a week that goes by that I don't learn something new about this dance, and often it's from my students. Yeah, yeah. After working with so many students, what are some common things you notice in perhaps beginners that might hold back our tango progress? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the biggest one that comes to my mind is that most new students believe that they have to do it all right away. Mm. And what I mean by that is, particularly on the leader side, you could say, you know, people see the tango being danced and then they think that they have to know all those moves that they see, all those maybe a hundred people in a milonga doing. Mm -hmm. And yet, it's not necessary to do all that to be a good tango dancer. And especially if you're the leader, the beauty of that is you get to pick your own, I call it a recipe. Mm -hmm. Let's say that you just focus on five or six different moves and that's all you do. But you try to do those at the highest level of what I call quality connection and musicality. So mm -hmm. quality of movement, connection with your partner and musicality. Mm -hmm. You just take those five or six things and you do them to the highest level you can in those three categories and you become the best dancer on the floor. Mm. But the mistake that beginners make is that instead of that route they take another route which is to see how many things they can learn. <laughs> and the end result, yes, yep. you're laughing because you know this is mm -hmm. true, right Joe? Mm -hmm. yep. It's tempting for all of us new dancers and we, we've all been there, you know, and you just want to go 
uh, and learn everything. And then, you know, a couple years into your tango studies, you come to your teacher and you go, can you just show me how to walk? And it's kind of an ongoing joke with tango teachers you know, that eventually everybody comes back to begging to learn how to walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always notice a couple blank stares when I tell people that. You're, you're going to come back to that walk. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> and they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I think that's that's one of the biggest mistakes I think people make early on. It'd be, it'd be nice to be able to, you know, share with people that just try to avoid that, you know. Mm -hmm. And then for the followers side, it's, uh, I think the, the biggest mistake is that the followers are so worried about following and it's really even unfortunate that we have these terms in the English English language that mm. are leader and follower right. and as experienced dancers know it's more that the so-called leader is actually following the follower it's a big circle right where the leader invites movement mm -hmm. and the follower executes that movement and the leader follows that follower and there's a big circle a cycle of movement that happens like a conversation right. so in the beginning followers are told well here you go all of you followers line up here right, mm -hmm, right. <laughs> and you immediately to think that you're supposed to just follow the leader instead of dance your part mm -hmm. and really if they if the new followers could kind of grasp this idea early on i think it's very helpful to know that Argentine tango is very different in that there's two parts and both are uniquely different and both are very powerful. Right. So both parts have to dance their part rather than one leading and the other one following. That's mm. a little bit of a misconception about how it works. Right. Right. Yeah. Even though we use the term follower, the, the follower is is very active. It's not it's not a passive thing to do. That's yeah. right. And yeah. It's really important to be a, an active follower at the risk of maybe making a mistake or maybe yeah. mis but the good leaders will always make you feel like there hasn't been a mistake mm -hmm. and the dance will grow through that conversational process. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you've traveled internationally. You were one of the founding members of, of was Tango Confusion, an all-female group. Right. Yeah, so what was, right. yeah, what was your very first performance like, Christy? Well, earlier I mentioned Pampa Cortez. So right. my, my first performances were with him, and mm -hmm. I remember the very first one because we drove from San Francisco to Sacramento and performed in front of a large crowd. It was the first time I'd ever performed Argentine tango, so I was pretty much scared to death, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I've come a long ways because I don't get too nervous anymore, and I yeah. love performing, and, mm -hmm. and I've, I've kind of all over the map, as you said. I perform with the women of Tango Confusion. Mm -hmm. I perform with various partners. Um, like Eduardo Sacedo or mm -hmm. George Garcia, and you know even various visiting teachers, that sort of thing. Count Glover is one of the local dancers I I enjoy dancing with in San Francisco. Mm. Um, so lucky me, I have many partners, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that makes it really fun and a lot of variety in the performance. Yeah, yeah. So Chrissy, I've heard there's always something new to learn when it comes to tango. Actually, I've experienced that, and I'm sure you have as well. So even though you've yeah. had over two decades of dance experience in Argentine tango, what's something new that you've learned recently over the years? P perhaps not, not necessarily a new step, but perhaps a new concept or a new idea or a new philosophy. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I, I enjoy going to the International Tango Congress in Buenos Aires every mm -hmm. March. Uh, we teach and perform, but I also take classes. I usually take about 15 classes. They have a long list of master teachers from Buenos Aires and, in fact, all over the world. And there's always new things I learn there. Mm -hmm. um, I, re I remember, you know, not too long, well, in the past festival in March, I learned to do a sort of a patterning portado from Nito Garcia, mm -hmm. which sounds like, how could that possibly be new? But he did it. The 
church used to do to execute the Ocho Cortado for the follower mm -hmm. was something I had never done before. In fact, I brought it back to San Francisco and taught it to my students. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's, there definitely is always something new. Um, but in, on the more creative side, you know, working with Tango Confusion is my biggest creative outlet for the dance and allows me to explore the embrace, soltadas, mm -hmm. uh, as they're often called. And so when you start to break the embrace, and also we mix a little bit of our other dance backgrounds like modern dance and that sort of thing to mm. be very creative. So then, wow, you can just create lots of different possibilities when you start working like that. Okay. All right. So, Christy, what are, what are some future projects that you're working on? Hmm. Well, let's see. Right now, I'm getting ready to go to Europe with Tango Confusion, where we're going to be teaching and performing at the Berlin Queer Tango Festival. Oh, nice. And I'm really looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> let's see. Future projects. I seem to have my steady flow of, uh, you know, places that I visit and where I teach and everything. Great. And and I this year uh, were invited to go to the Sao Paulo Tango Festival. I just wow. came back there and that was an awesome experience and I'm hoping that that will be on the calendar for 2019 as well. Okay. Sounds, yeah. yeah, so you're going to be really busy. That's great. Okay. Never a dull moment as oh. I like. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, Chrissy, this has been a lot of fun. So uh, can you, where can we find out more information about you online? Well, I have a website, which is just like my name, christycote.com, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y-C-O-T-E.com. Okay, great. Well, I'll have that in our show notes so people will be able to, to look you up. Great. That'd be awesome. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of those good places. But all of those connections are on the website. So. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, Christy, thank you so much. I know you got a really busy schedule. It means a lot that you took some time out to chat with me. Really appreciate it. Certainly my pleasure, Joe. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah. All right. We'll keep in touch and I'll talk to you soon. Happy dancing to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you too. All right. Take care, Christy. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. That was a lot of fun. Now, that was my first time speaking to Christy and I know many of you listening have worked with her before and hopefully I'll get a chance to meet her in person soon. So Christy touched upon a lot of good things to keep in mind. Like many of my previous guests, she makes a suggestion to attend milongas in groups if possible. That's always a good way to get to know a new community. I also like what Christy said about adjusting from ballroom dancing to Argentine tango because that is how a lot of people become tango enthusiasts. The transition doesn't always have to be a rough one, but it often is because there's so much emphasis on the differences between the two dances. But as Christy said, there are also a lot of differences between the dances that currently exist within the family of ballroom, and that switching to Argentine tango should be seen, at least from a technical standpoint, as just another adjustment to a different dance. And once that step into the tango world is made, then we can start emphasizing all the mental and emotional qualities that set tango apart from other dances. Christy also mentioned how useful it is for more experienced dancers to volunteer to help out in beginner classes. That's a great way to encourage new dancers to reinforce one's basics, and most teachers really love it when we ask. And speaking of beginners, Christy emphasized the importance of not having to know everything and not needing to try every step we know when we're at a milonga. For leaders, like she said, concentrating on connection, quality of movement, and simple musicality is enough. It doesn't have to be fancy, it just needs to work. 
And for followers, it's important not to get too caught up in trying to obey or react to the leader. Following is just as powerful as leading, and we need to take charge of the way we move to feel free to express ourselves when the music inspires us. Sometimes we'll risk making a mistake, but as Christy said, a good leader will help make it feel as though no mistake was made. So lots of good stuff, and thank you again, Christy, for sharing your thoughts and for your time. And a big thank you to all you listeners for supporting the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason, just send an email to wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. And if you could take about 20 seconds to pop on over to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you're listening and leave me a five-star rating and or review, that would be great. And it helps make this podcast more easy to find. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.